The Westminster Confession of Faith was first published in 1646. It was the result of the hard work done by a group of men called the Westminster Divines. Their goal was to outline what they believed the Scriptures principally taught. And it has been said that the Church of Christ cannot be creedless and live. Thankfully, the Westminster Confession of Faith has been the creed of the Reformed Church for almost 400 years. This podcast seeks to point you to Christ, to help you navigate the Westminster Confession of Faith, and to see you understand what you believe and why you believe it. Welcome to This We Confess. Westminster Confession of Faith, Chapter 27 of the Sacraments, Paragraph 3 to 5. The grace which is exhibited in or by the sacraments, rightly used, is not conferred upon any power in them. Neither doth the efficacy of a sacrament depend upon the piety or intention of him that doth administer it, but upon the work of the Spirit and the word of institution which contains, together with a precept authorizing the use thereof, a promise of benefit to worthy receivers. Paragraph 4 There be only two sacraments ordained by Christ our Lord in the Gospel, that is to say, baptism and the supper of the Lord, neither of which may be dispensed by any but by a minister of the word, lawfully ordained. Paragraph 5. The sacraments of the Old Testament, in regard of the spiritual things thereby signified and exhibited, were for substance the same with those of the new. Hello everyone, and welcome to the latest episode of This We Confess. Today we finish our look at chapter 27 of the Westminster Confession, of the sacraments, And last time out we heard that the sacraments are holy signs and seals of the covenant of grace. They show us Christ and his benefits, they declare our interest or our belief in him, and they show the world as well, those who belong to Jesus and those who do not. And last time we spoke as well about the sacramental union between the sign and the thing signified whereby it comes to pass that the names and effects of the one are attributed to the other, whereby sometimes scripture describes the sacraments interchangeably with what they signify. So the sacraments do not cause our salvation, but they wonderfully communicate the benefits of our salvation. Today the Westminster Divines continue their teaching in paragraph 3 by beginning with the statement that the grace which is exhibited in or by the sacraments, rightly used, is not conferred by any power in them. Now, as Reformed Christians, we wish to make it absolutely clear that we take the sacraments incredibly seriously. But here the Westminster Divines tell us that any benefit or effectiveness of the sacraments is not because they are made powerful in and of themselves. If it was the opposite, then we could imagine what our evangelism would be like. Imagine all that you had to do to see someone saved was to have them baptised or to get them to sit at the Lord's table. Imagine if the sacrament of baptism was so powerful in and of itself 
Then reform ministers would just go and stand in a hospital and baptise any and all children that were born. The sacraments are wonderful and the sacraments rightly used are of great benefit to the Christian. However, as they stand alone in and of themselves, they have no power. And it is important to note at this stage that they are not made powerful, therefore, by the one who administers baptism or the sacraments. I once knew a man who, every time he went to Israel, was baptised in the River Jordan. And indeed, he brought some water back from Israel, from the river itself, for any future baptisms of his family members. In his head, baptism was made more powerful and more special because of the Jordan River, the place where the Lord Jesus was baptised. However, the Westminster Divines would have nothing to do with such thinking. Baptism and the supper is not made more powerful because of where the bread and wine has come from or from the river that we have sourced our baptism water. Nor is it made more powerful or effective depending upon the piety or intention of the one administering it. You may have been baptised by the most famous minister in human history, but that baptism was not made more effective because the minister was quite famous. You may have been baptised by a minister who went on to leave the church and renounce the faith, and your baptism is still effective. And you may have come to the Lord's table in a church where eventually the minister left and ran off with the organist. His actions did not rob the supper of their legitimacy. The sacraments as they stand on their own as bare and naked signs have no power in them, and neither does their effectiveness depend upon the one who administers them. But instead, say the Westminster Divines, all of this depends upon the work of the Holy Spirit. In Romans chapter 2 and verse 28 to 29, the Apostle Paul would write, No one is a Jew who is merely one outwardly, nor is circumcision outward and physical, but a Jew is one inwardly, and circumcision is a matter of the heart, by the Spirit, not by the letter. His praise is not from man, but from God. So as the Apostle writes, if we come to the sacraments believing that because we have come to the Lord's table, then therefore we must be okay. Because we were baptised, therefore we must be somehow right in the sight of God. Paul disabuses us of this notion in Romans 2. Circumcision is a matter of the heart, he says. It is a matter of the heart by the Holy Spirit and not by the letter. And so when we come to the sacraments, if we're just going through the motions or we're depending upon the holiness of the pastor or minister who administers the sacraments, we have gone absolutely wrong. The sacraments are powerful and made effective by the work of the Holy Spirit alone. John the Baptist said of the Lord Jesus Christ in Matthew 3 and verse 11, I baptize you with water for repentance, but he who is coming after me is mightier than I whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. And then later in 1 Corinthians 12 and verse 13, For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. And so going through the motions with the sacraments will not do. Treating them with contempt will not do believing that they are somehow magic tricks which will please a foolish God, will not do. The sacraments are powerful. The sacraments are for our benefit, 
The sacraments grow us up in the faith, but only when they are rightly used. They are effective and powerful because we approach them by saving faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, and because in the sacraments rightly used, the Holy Spirit is much at work. So the divines make it clear that in the sacraments themselves, standing alone as bare naked signs, there is not any power, nor are they made effective by the one who administers the sacraments. And this gives us great comfort, especially if it is, as I have already said, that the one who baptised us, or the one who served us communion, has gone on to denounce the faith. The sacraments are not dependent upon the one who administers. Instead, they are given to us by God himself. They were his idea. He has promised to bless them when they are rightly used, and the Holy Spirit carries out this wonderful work. But not only that, according to the Westminster Divines, in the words of institution in the sacraments, we see a promise of benefit to worthy receivers. Whenever we come to the sacraments, we do not enter into them lightly. We declare that they are not the invention of the Church of Jesus Christ. They are not the invention of a particular denomination. Instead, we see the sacraments instituted by Christ himself in the pages of the Holy Scriptures. In Matthew 26 and verse 27 to 28, we read about Jesus taking a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them and said, Drink of it, all of you, for this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. And then in Matthew 28 and verse 19 to 20, Jesus says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. And famously in 1 Corinthians 11 and verse 23, Paul says, For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread. My friends, these words are famous. These words are declared every time we come to the Lord's Supper. And indeed, these words are declared every time we come to the waters of baptism. The idea of the sacraments was not man's idea, but instead they were given to us by Almighty God, and he has promised that he will convey his grace to us in the sacraments, that he will make them powerful and effective, not because they stand as bare naked signs that we can go through the motions with, and if they are applied to anyone then somehow they are saved, but instead by the work of the Holy Spirit. And we see the authority that is conveyed in the sacraments by the words of institution. These are God's ideas, these are God's signs and seals of the covenant of grace, and these are gifts to the Church of Jesus Christ from Almighty God himself. And as we move into paragraph 4, the Westminster Divines are clear that there are only two sacraments ordained by Christ our Lord in the Gospel, that is to say, baptism and the Supper of the Lord. Now, if you're a Roman Catholic listening to this, you may take exception to what I have just said. You have been taught to believe that there are seven sacraments. However, we must humbly disagree. In the pages of God's Word, we find two sacraments ordained by Christ our Lord. And once more, they are baptism and the Lord's Supper. And as we have already made clear in this episode of the podcast, 
the sacraments are to be taken incredibly seriously. That is why the divines write here that the Lord's Supper and baptism are not to be dispensed by anyone except by a minister of the word, lawfully ordained. This seems incredibly restrictive. Many like to think that perhaps if I go away on a spiritual retreat with my friends that we could have the Lord's Supper in our bedroom. Some of us like to go away, for example, on mission trips, and if someone comes to faith, then why shouldn't they be baptised down at the river by a youth worker? My friends, we are to take the sacraments seriously. We are not to enter into them without understanding what they mean and what they are about, and the seriousness and significance of the sacraments. And therefore, when we come to baptism or the Lord's Supper, they should be dispensed by a minister of the word, lawfully ordained. And that is to say that they should be administered by a man who has received training in the handling of the word. And that is to say that he should have been recognised by his church, that his beliefs should have been tested, that he should publicly have declared his confidence in the word of God and in the subordinate standards of the church. And this individual should have been called by a church. Such a man is worthy to administer the sacraments. And whilst he may sin, and whilst he may fall, and whilst he may commit heinous crimes, we remind ourselves that such a man does not make the sacraments effective, but nevertheless, he is the one who has been appointed by Almighty God within his church to administer the sacraments. And as we close in paragraph 5, the divines tell us that the sacraments of the Old Testament in regard of the spiritual things thereby signified and exhibited were for substance the same with those of the new. And it is here once more that the beauty of the Reformed faith shines out. Because as Reformed Christians we do not believe that there are multiple paths of salvation, nor do we accept that there are multiple churches. We see the unity of the scriptures, the unity of the covenant of grace, whereby if anyone has ever been saved, it is by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. Therefore, in the Old Testament, there were two sacraments, circumcision and the Passover meal. And in the New Testament, we find that there are two sacraments, baptism and the Lord's Supper. In these sacraments, and the spiritual things that they signify, were for substance the same. There is no division and no disunity here. The sacraments of the old, in regard of the spiritual things they signify and exhibit, were for substance the same with those of the new. For example, when it comes to circumcision and baptism, we accept that both of those were administered only once. They were administered to believers and their children, Circumcision and baptism are both a picture of the beginning of our union with God, and in both, the recipient of circumcision and baptism is wholly passive, or in other words, they receive what someone else performs. In the same way, for the Passover and the Lord's Supper, both of these meals are administered repeatedly. Both of these meals are administered to believers only, and they are a picture of our maintenance of our union with God. And the recipient in these is not passive, but active. They partake of their own act, and they reach for the bread and the wine, and they eat and they drink. Circumcision and baptism signify the same things, and Passover and the Lord's Supper signify and exhibit 
the same things. In the pages of God's word, there is only the church. And in the pages of God's word, there is one gospel of grace alone, faith alone, and Christ alone. And in the pages of God's word, he gives his bride, the church, two sacraments. Firstly, in the Old Testament, circumcision and the Passover meal. And now in these days, since the arrival of Christ, he gives us baptism and the Lord's Supper. As G.I. Williamson once said, the new is in the old concealed and the old is in the new revealed. The bloody signs of the old were superseded by the two bloodless signs of the new. And so my friends, as we close today, I ask you simply to consider your home fellowship. There's not much razzmatazz about your meetings. The views that your live stream on YouTube receive are not very good. And when it comes to it, you know probably what will happen tomorrow at the Lord's Day service. And maybe you even sinfully at times feel a little bit bored. You seek something more. You seek something exciting. You seek fame. You seek something worth talking about. My brothers and sisters, if that is the attitude of your heart, then I would urge you to step back. If your home fellowship tomorrow has the word of God read and preached and the sacraments faithfully administered and taken seriously, then that is a very special place indeed. That is a means of grace church. And that is a blessing not just to you, but to the wider church family and also to the town or village or city that it is in. As Reformed Christians, we take the sacraments seriously because they are signs and seals of God's covenant of grace and they are filled with power and made effective by God the Holy Spirit himself. May we delight when the waters of baptism flow and when the table is set because there we see the gospel made visible. As always today, here are some questions for you to consider. Question 1. Who or what does the effectiveness or power of the sacraments depend? Question 2. Why does the fame or indeed the sin of the pastor not improve or destroy the effectiveness of the sacraments? Question 3. How are the sacraments rightly used? How do we approach them as worthy receivers? Question 4. Name the two sacraments of the Church of Jesus Christ. And question 5. Give evidence that the Old Testament sacraments of circumcision and the Passover meal signify and exhibit the same as the New Testament sacraments. That's all for today. As always, my name is Scott Woodburn, and until next time, this we confess. Music.